You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us at Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us at 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in a balmy Green Bay, Wisconsin. We got Emilio down here in Tennessee for just a few seconds. Then we got Carly Ray joining us this morning. So, uh, Emilio, I know you got to run, man. What's on your mind this morning? You would have come in here and set the record straight, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, set the record straight. It's too cold down here right now. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it uh, no, um, I'm just here to say, uh, you know, let's let's have a good weekend. A lot of football on. We can kind of kick kick our feet up and relax. Um, and uh, you know, we got a big game Monday that uh, we'll, we'll get to. We'll cover some stuff. And um, I mean, sky's the limit right now, man. Let's uh, let this team keep growing and keep climbing that ladder. Absolutely, man. Hey, it's uh, it's it's not a slam dunk win, but this has got to be one of the games that you feel the best about. And I was kind of digging into the tendencies. We'll hit on that here in just a second, and uh, and some of the numbers and kind of just how historically bad the Giants are right now. And now, right. when you're getting into the the last quarter of the season, of course, they, those organizations, especially the front office, they start thinking about those draft picks. There's mm-hmm. no two ways about it. So, um, with that being said, you've seen the Patriots upset the the uh, the Steelers last night. And uh, I think Carly's actually got something we're going to hit on with that for sure, too. Nice. But, uh, yeah, you have a good day, Emilio. We appreciate you, buddy. And uh, hopefully we'll see you too, uh, tonight or maybe tomorrow or something. Are we, st- are we still going tonight? I think we are. I think, yeah, I think what we're going to – what I did was move the dinner plans, so we're going to go live tonight. Sounds like a plan. I'll be there. All right, buddy. Sounds good, man. Have a great day. Go. Right. Have a good one, Emilio. Tim, what do you want to kick this thing off with? You got anything before we uh, we get Carly's take on this? Uh, this she it sounded like she had a a post game experience with the Patriots and the Steelers fans. But what do you got this morning, man? Anything? Nothing. Just grateful for another day. Happy to talk ball. Uh, no, I'm with it. Let's lead with uh, Carly. Carly did a little um, double double agent duty. <laughs> Pulled off reconnaissance a little, over there. A little recon, yeah, a little espionage. So I think we should we should lead with that. Let's do it, Carly. What do you What do you got? I listened to a little bit of the Patriots post game show as I was drifting off to sleep last night, and uh, like I was telling you, it was it was funny. They were kind of, you know, half the people calling in were excited about the win and the team showing a little bit of progress, and the other half was like, "What the heck are we doing? We're we, we're in a, we got a chance to get the number two pick here." <laughs> but uh, what did you come up, come away with last night? So I um, I went to the Patriots one, and then I went to a Steelers one that seemed a little bit more informal, maybe a bit more like this one is. And I wrote down some quotes that I was just, just cracked me up because it was, it reminded me of kind of where we were, you know, a few weeks ago when things weren't looking so good, but also like exponentially worse. You know how, like when you see a, like there's a terrible car crash happening and you just can't look away because you're like mesmerized and horrified all at the same time. And it's, yeah, that was kind of what it was like. So, um, so here's some of the quotes that I wrote down. Um, no chunk plays, bad at tackling. So th- these were people saying this about the Steelers. These are Steelers fans saying this about their team. Um, 
lots of empty seats. It felt like a preseason game, which is something I have never heard really anybody say about a Packers in-season game, which I was like, holy cow, I am so thankful that we have an amazing fan base, right? Um, I think they had an Omer-type person in there that said, not only fire everyone, but also the janitors and ticket takers, too. Got a clean house. <laughs> Tim, man, the, the custodians are getting blamed for the play calling now, my man. It's, it's, this is 2023, isn't it? <laughs> Dude, that is wild. You know, when it rains, it pours, as they say. Yeah. No doubt about it, man. It, it, the thing that's that's funny about the Steelers situation is – Everyone in that fan base, and and this is a perfect, a prime example of how this goes on around the league everywhere. And, and I've experienced it. You know, I've been watching football now. Um, I would say consistently since 1993 is about the time that I started really focusing on. All right, we got football this weekend, right? And I was just a little whippersnapper, 11 years old, right? Um, and every fan base, they kind of have this whole somebody's got to take the blame. Somebody's got to take the fall, right? We've seen it this year for the Packer fans has been absolutely hilarious. I'll come back to that. But in Pittsburgh all year long, Tim, Carly, it was fire Matt Canada. Matt Canada is the only thing holding this team back. They have a ton of talent on offense, and that offensive coordinator is the reason they're not unlocking that talent, the reason they're not getting the results they want. So that kept building and building and building, right? You and here's what's funny, is, um, a, what's his name on on the McAfee show? The former center, God, I can see his face right now. Um, played for Tampa, played for the Colts, played with Pat. Not Jeff Saturday. No, 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 not Saturday. Why am I thinking him? God, my, I can't think of his name. Anyway, you guys know what I'm talking about. He he went on and. He was just flabbergasted. I just can't believe. I, I don't understand what they're doing here. This is just a, this is a a horrible play call. This is supposed to be a screen. He said this is supposed to be a screen. And look at the players, not look at the receivers not blocking. Or, or he said this is a screen pass. Why would you call a screen in this situation? And I'm watching. I'm going. That's just a swing pass. The wide receivers are in their route, right? Like so. When I went back and watched, it, I'm going. To me, it looks like Kenny Pickett check down to the swing, even though the swing wasn't there. That's kind of what I was coming away with. Lo and behold, he goes on this big rant about how this was Matt Canada's fault, right, and this and that. And then Pat gets a text from Aaron Rodgers, who was watching the show, and said, uh, no, actually, that was – he went hot to the t- to the tailback there, and that was kind of a bad read. That was on the quarterback. And it's a pr- and they were, they were absolutely roasting AQ, AQ Shipley. They were roasting him on the show like the guys always do. But that was another example. Everyone thought firing Matt Canada would fix all the problems in Pittsburgh. They fire Matt Canada, and you've seen the dumpster fire that was that offense last night against the New England Patriots. Now, listen, the New England Patriots, don't get me wrong, they've got a really good defense. I mean, they're they're losing games 10 to nothing. They're losing games, you know, <laughs> not even hardly giving up, you know, uh, you know, 13 points uh, because their offense is so bad as well. But it's just another example of that. Like, let's come back to the to the Green Bay Packers this year, right? Early on in the year, who was the problem, right? I mean, you could you could pick one, right? Week one, there was no one was at fault. This team, oh, we're good, we're good to go. Are you kidding me? And then during that short stint, it was Jordan Love is trash. Goody ruined this organization, right? Jordan Love played bad, no doubt about it, right? But it was Jordan Love's fault, and then it shifted to. It was Christian Watson's fault. 
And then it shifted to it was Joe Barry's fault. And oh, then come it on, Clayton. It's always been Joe Barry's fault. Joe Barry's kind of the one that's that's in their back pocket. At any point in time, we can just say, yep, Joe Barry's to blame, right? But it was just like every time when Jordan Love's tur- play turned around, it immediately shifted to Christian Watson needs to get out of there. He's horrible, right? And it's like maybe just maybe the other team's getting paid too, <laughs> and they're putting themselves in an advantageous situation to maximize that opportunity on the field that day. And we need to back up a little bit and go, okay, what actually happened? You know, I'm telling, telling Carly and, and Tim and, and Emilio offline just now, having conversations on Twitter with the, with the Barry haters. And what's funny is they, I don't know why you love this guy. I don't love this guy. I've told you this over and over and over. I think there probably are better options at defensive coordinator. The problem is if you change DC, you got to learn a new scheme. You got to learn a new system. You take a step back. And right now this, this defense is moving forward, right? And I mean, just the ignorance in some of the comments where it's, we're playing one, one person will be saying we're playing too soft. The other be we're playing too aggressive. And then in the, in the very next breath, they'll turn around. Like one guy telling me that this scheme is trash and I'm going, the Fangio scheme is trash. Are you watching Miami play defense right now? Like, what are you, what are we even doing here? Like, so anyway, I digress. I just, the point of the matter is this goes on across all fan bases. Does it not Carly? Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, just watching it was obvious how everybody overreacts or everybody loves someone and the other people hate it and they argue about it. It just happens. Yeah, it happens all over. Yeah, no doubt. Doug in the chat says, Jason Wildy was uh, was talking with the QBs. Clifford said Matt LaFleur actually kept the playbook simple at the start of the season and then dialed it up. The narrative I heard was it started complex and then dialed it back. That's exactly what I seen. You know, what I seen was – and here's the thing: when you say uh, when you say the playbook, that's kind of a global statement, right? You heard me and Tim talk about this. We were, you know, when I was saying we need to simplify things, people on Twitter, people were attacking Ryan Schlipp, uh, saying, you know, Matt Lafleur's play calling is trash, and Ryan was going to the tape, going, "There's receivers open." There's, and you guys heard me saying, "Listen, guys, there's there's two different aspects of this, right? You've got the passing scheme, and you've got the running scheme. The passing scheme." He was absolutely dialing up gems. There were receivers open. No two ways about it. What did me and Tim cover on Chalk Talk and just throughout the, the, the program itself? Jordan was late getting to the read. He was late getting to the right guy. And now you see him getting there on time. It's wide open. Now, what, what I was talking about with complexity within the offense was real simple. It was a run scheme. We came out. Do you guys remember in week one when we beat the Bears – they ran like eight different styles of run. Y'all remember that statistic? Well, they broke out pin and pull. They broke out duo. They broke out power. They broke out counter. They broke out wide zone, inside zone, all of those things. Everything gap. Like everybody was going, holy cow, they broke out all these different person personnel and all that stuff. It worked against the worst team in the league, right? Or one of the worst teams in the league, I should say. And then lo and behold, the next week they started to struggle. The next week they struggled worse. They struggled worse. Look at the run game. Why is that you, you got to when you look at how bad, how good or bad something is, there's two simple questions you need to try to come up with the answer with them. It's what happened and why did it happen? And when you watch the tape, all the answers are there. Why did it not work against the Raiders? You had 
three rookies, trying two of which were trying to sift, and they were responsible for blocking arguably one of the best edge rushers in the game in Max Crosby. At one point, you had Dontavian Wicks trying to crack down on a 280-pound defensive lineman, right? You're trying to do too much. It's too complex. Let's focus on inside zone for just a second. Let's just let's try to do this and maybe work a little duo inside off of that, mix in the wide zone. Then we can get back to the pulling and the sifting and all that stuff. They did that. Whether Wildy or anyone else wants to agree with it, it's totally cool. I can agree to disagree. I know what I see on tape. That's and that's all I I'll be honest with you. I don't anybody can try to bend the narrative however they want. And I'm not suggesting he's doing that. I'm just saying like I've got blinders on on what's actually happening on the field. I brought it up to Mike Wall, right? I brought it up to Mike Wall, and he was like, well, what do you think they did different, Clayton, to simplify it? And I said, they've removed the sift, right? You know, what we talked about was, hey, let's just focus on running inside zones, do the basics and work our way out, right? And he that's when he looked at the camera, and I told you guys, he said, Clayton, they can't even do that right now, like talking about the offensive line. And that immediately makes you steer your focus to Buckus, right? Like, okay, what's going on there with, with Coach Buckus? So, anyway, I digress. Um, to read his comment again, Jason Wildy was talking about the quarterbacks. Clifford said Matt LaFleur actually kept the playbook simple at the start of the season, then dialed it up. The narrative I heard was it started complex and then dialed it back. The playbook itself, absolutely. Yeah. Remember what Mike Wall said? Mike Wall said, I'll never forget, I was watching it, and they, they ran a sift, right, and they blew it up. And Mike went, guys, listen, this is already on tape. So, yes, the playbook was simple. They, When you say you simplify the playbook, you're calling the same thing over and over, and then you're adding in the wrinkles. So, I don't know if it make, does that makes sense, Tim. I feel like I'm rambling now. It but. does because, like, you know, take your eye off the ball teaches us, right? You know, we're, if we're, we're having two different conversations here. The playbook is the playbook, and, you know, it, it's a thick document. You're talking a 1,000-plus plays in a playbook, and then that gets condensed to a call sheet and a game plan, which is we know what a call sheet looks like. It's a two-sided laminated piece of paper. So you're taking you're taking a thousand or twelve hundred plays, you're putting together 40 to 50, you know, down and distance situation that you're gonna call. And then that sheet's gonna probably change at halftime, uh, depending on the adjustments that you're making. So I think what we're looking at too is number one, we're seeing better execution as as the year progressed. And number two, yeah, you know. LaFleur was probably changing that game plan and that call sheet, trying to find things that work. You know, the playbook is huge. So mm-hmm. you've got a lot to pick from. So I right. can see what, you know, that, that can be illusion of complexity right there. You know, which, which 30 or 40 of these plays are we going to go with out of these thousand that our guys have to know? And uh, it's a lot to process for first and second year players sometimes, you know? Yeah. Definitely. And and Doug says, Clayton, thank you. That makes sense. Yeah. And and again, it's you know, there's no like this. OK, here is the perfect answer to that question. It's just I think people take all of that, all of the, the comments that are said, all the information, they compile it into one thing and go, well, this needs to be simpler. It's a it's a lot more complex than that. And I think that's probably what Sean Clifford was saying was we didn't dive too deep into the playbook. Now you're seeing that happen. Right now you're seeing I, I love the uh, the deep sits, the deep curls that they're running. You're basically going max protect with a little leak out the backside. You're forcing the defense to flip their hips as they reach a certain point and then turn and hit those curls. Those are the type of things that it sounds like a simple play, but it's such a timing play. And the quarterback's got to be on the same page with that receiver that maybe you don't call that as much 
early in the season. And the thing that they came out in Chicago with was a few end arounds, things like that, right? Um, they were they were being a, a little more complex in the way they attack Chicago, but you you're kind of playing with the house's money there. I mean, that's one of the one of the worst teams in the league, man. What a dumpster fire that is. It's uh it's bad. You talk about a trap game. Week 18 could be a trap game. I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy, but that just feels like that would be a division rival that would literally be sitting there going, you know what? We This is our Super Bowl. Let's lay it all on the line today. Um, I'm just saying I'm not trying to look too far ahead, but at the same time I'm looking at that one going, ooh, they better bring their A game because they're going to – there's been a lot of talking this year. There's no doubt between the fan bases, the players. Who was it, Justin? What was his name? Y'all remember – Carly, you remember his name, the defensive – player for the Bears that was talking crap. Was it Justin Wilson or something like that? Justin Jones, maybe? Yes, I think it was Jones, I think. But I do remember – I remember who you're talking about, but not the specific name. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I I love the scheme talk. I really get into this stuff, though. Um, It's kind of what makes me – I've had people ask me in the past, how can you just focus on football 24-7, 365? Like, people ask me that before I started doing the pod, and I'm like – in the back of my mind, I, I say, ah, man, I just love it. It's just a cool game. In the back of my mind, I'm going, you have no idea how deep this goes, man. Like, it's just – it's like a, a Rubik's Cube. It really is. Omer in the chat says, uh, John Runyon Jr., Myers, and Jenkins all top 15 in pass blocking. That's how this team's built for sure, Omer. Um, and it's – again, it's why the run blocking is struggling. We got a, a ton of dogs when it comes to pass blocking. There's no two ways about it. Um, Nick in the chat says, Hey, Clayton question. I keep hearing people say that Matt LaFleur is calling the best games of his career lately. Any idea what he's doing differently? The, again, the, the way you answer a question, in my opinion, the first thing that comes to mind might not be the most politically correct most of the time, but usually the first thing that pops in your mind is, is the honest answer. The first thing that popped in my mind was they like to play a lot of pick a side, right? Where you're, you come to the line. Is it, is it, one side attacks middle field open. The other side attacks middle field close, right? And they're giving him the option to can out of plays, obviously, to get into the perfect look to attack those two different looks. Usually with a pick aside, that route combination on this side has nothing to do with this route combination over here. It's like you're, you're basically you're working half of the field. What I've noticed LaFleur do is you remember a couple of weeks ago, Tim, you remember we talked about this how they drew up a play on the sideline, and it was actually the tight ends coach that recommended it. What was so unique about that was they normally wouldn't have had that crosser at that third level on that specific look because it's if you get the wrong look, right, if you get the wrong look, that crosser does nothing for this play, and now you've eliminated the opportunity to go to that side if you're looking at single high or two on the shelf, whatever the – the, uh, the coverage that you're looking to attack with those specific concepts. So they kind of took a, a gamble there and said, you know what? They're really clamping down on this flat curl combo. Why don't we bring a crosser off the backside? Those are the little things. Now, I know that, that LaFleur, which every great leader does, gave credit to the tight end coach, but he had the final say. And where do you think the tight end coach got it from? You know, scheming with Matt LaFleur. That's the first example that pops in my mind, Nick. Um, when you say, you know, hey, he's calling the best best games of his career lately, um, that really, really uh, comes comes to mind. Is just the fact that you're willing to go, you know what? All right, look, here's what they're doing. They're clamping down on that flat curl. Let's put that crosser along the backside. Listen, guys, you may have to change the protection to give Jordan time to get to that final read, but if they're going to continue to do what we're doing here in the first half, we should have that third window open late in the play. 
Um, that's one thing that comes to mind. Anything come to mind for you, Tim, as far as uh, his play calling here of lately? Maybe anything that you feel like might have changed? or Because he's definitely opened up the playbook. There's no two ways about that. I mean, kind of along what you were just saying, I think you know what you're saying in a nutshell is in-game adjustments, in-the-moment adjustments, um, you know, maybe more tools at his disposal, uh, you know, that he's got built into the game plan um, that he can go to in a situation where he needs to adjust. But, you know, yeah, going with a, a recommendation from a coach that's basically, you know, drawing this up in the dirt on the sideline as we go and uh, kind of creating a play and, and ba- basically making that call and trusting your gut. And go, if you see it, you got to say something and, and going with that. I think early in the year, I think coach was probably more focused on here's the game plan, run this game plan. Come on, guys, you got to execute. Why aren't, why aren't you executing this game plan? And he was kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say stick in the mud, but not as adaptable. And then I, I think as he got more comfortable, this offense got more comfortable. You're right. He's in his bag now. Now he's formulating these game plans with multiple options. Guys are seeing things better, you know, and uh, making those in-game adjustments has been huge. Uh, really both sides of the ball. I mean, but just speaking with Coach LaFleur right now, I think offensively, you know, I've alluded to this. We've seen the jet motion and we've seen some of the gadget, um, you know, double reverse end around type plays. And they're being called in better down and distance situations. We were calling those at the worst of times early in the year and they were getting blown up. Now we're catching guys off guard with them and they're working. So you see these little things that are happening as the season progresses. But really, I think it's just a testament to Coach Lafleur. Um, again, kind of chip on his shoulder, kind of you know, locked in now, a little more comfortable as a head coach, a little more comfortable with this offense. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun to watch right now as he, you know, makes these adjustments during the game. Yeah, definitely. Carly, you got anything to add to that? Anything come to mind? Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Yeah, I think we have to remember that, especially with this youngest, you know, offense in the league, that for those guys, no matter how much time you spend in the classroom studying this, you know, that immense playbook, and no matter how many times you even like look at the film from those tablets, there is a delay and it takes some time to translate those things you're seeing and learning to on field, like what that actually means with the bodies around you, the sounds, the what that actually looks like from the first person point of view rather than overhead and how that feels. And so as they get and they were talking about this and, you know, Matt was talking about this at the beginning of the season, following that process and getting them playtime as you get that going. It's like any new job. If you're hit with a if you're at a brand new job and you get hit with this unexpected situation, you're not going to know how to handle it because you don't know the resources. You don't know really what you're seeing around you. And then as you as you get more comfortable, you're a, you are able to adapt and just to kind of fly by the seat of your pants or to add new things in so much more seam, uh, seamlessly and so much more yeah. effectively. And I really feel like that's what we're seeing here. And it's just a testament to, oh, the coaching, excuse me, is actually 
is actually working, is actually preparing these guys. And I think Matt's doing a great job of scheming to their strengths now in a way that I felt like we didn't see maybe quite as much. And maybe that's just because they are developing their strengths and they're getting more confident in what they are actually able to achieve on the field as well. Yeah, no, that completely makes sense. And what you said about, you know, seeing it on the field, it's a totally different perspective, this and that. You know, I'm as critical as anyone about uh, the Packers and, and more specifically Brian Gutekunst and his staff leaning too much on the physical traits, right? But the fact that Jordan Love is as tall as he is, what is he, 6'4", am I thinking right? 6'3", or 6'4". Um, tall guy, can see over the line, sees the field well, doesn't play scared at all. You could tell he's not he's not afraid to stand in the pocket. He's not afraid to take a hit when we need – some juice, like he said. Remember, Tim? <laughs> I love that. That's probably my favorite Jordan Love moment of the year is when he lowered his shoulder on that defender, came to the sideline, and, and he said Matt LaFleur was looking at him out the corner. I was like, what, you, what the hell are you doing? And he said, I feel like we needed some juice. Like, come on, dude. Those guys are going to play for that. Now, now, you want to talk about the comparisons. If that ain't a Brett Favre type yeah. thing to say, right? It, <laughs> like, I, mean, I yeah. love it. It absolutely is, man. That was the type of guy – I mean – that's what we that's what we fell in love about Brett with, you know what I mean? Um, yep. Back in the day, for sure. He just had that kind of attitude that says, "Oh, we're gonna give him some." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now later in the years, not so much. You could see him kind of lay down a bit, and I don't blame him one bit, man. I, I know how hard it is for me to get off the couch at, at 41. Um, let's do this. Since we were talking scheme, Dan Orlovsky had a really cool breakdown on ESPN. Let's play this video real quick. Um, I think this was either from Get Up or it was from First Take. Dan Orlovsky's becoming one of my favorite followers, but you can get this video on his Twitter account. He tweeted it out, whatever. Go give it a like, share it, all that good stuff. Um, the thing I like about Dan, he's very positive. And I know people give him a lot of crap for that because he said, you know, Justin Fields should be an MVP candidate and things like that. They're quote unquote hot takes. He likes to prop the QBs up. He likes to focus on what QBs are doing well and not what they're doing bad, which if you guys haven't seen Vontae Leach, a former Packer, go in on David Carr yesterday on Twitter, Lord have mercy. I want to see a dead body. Woo. Um, so I like that Dan doesn't try to pile on people. He tries to build them up. And, and you know, he's been pretty vocal that he's a Christian and uh, he's actually prayed right there on set before. I, whether you agree with it or not, I respect people who – who aren't afraid to share their beliefs. I think that's kind of cool as long as it's not hurting other people. But here's Dan Orlovsky talking about Jordan Love. Pretty cool little video. The play action pass. Sometimes they're just calling plays and not asking him to think and react. And sometimes they're giving him ownership of the line of scrimmage. So they get up under center. You're going to see a little bit of motion from that tight end. Ball's going to get snapped. Now, I want to start with the defense. Kansas City's in cover too, okay? So that corner has that zone and that safety has that zone. So the area that you want to attack is kind of what we call the alley, okay? Now, the only way that you can attack it is you have to affect these linebackers. You try to get them to stay lower so that area that you want to attack is a little bit more expanded. So hence that motion, okay? That motion comes and the backside tight end goes across. So they bring the motion back across, the backside of tight end slices, and then here's this ball fake. So there's that play action. The last part is this, Christian Watson. What is Christian Watson known for in the NFL? His vertical speed. So they want him running down the field as fast as possible and then sitting in a deep hook. So you have that safety open up, okay? And that linebackers stay low because the play action. Now Jordan Love, you tell him one thing. You're coming and finding that Will linebacker. If he's low, you get that ball out on time because this is a non-think play. Delivers the strike perfectly in that vacated area. 
Now we'll go to an, a time when they're giving him a little bit responsibility or control at the line of scrimmage. I'm going to draw this play. It's called cross country, essentially. We have double posts on this side with the crosser, and then the backside is going to have a deep cross. Now that play, ideally, is for one safety in the middle of the field, but Kansas City pre-snap was showing two safeties. Jordan Love at the line of scrimmage, ball fake comes, well, they go down to one safety, right? There's only one safety. Now he's got the chance to hit that big crosser. That's the ideal coverage. There's a beautiful throw before that pass off. Now, how did he know that it was going to be one safety? Because, Dan, you showed me pre-snap it was really in two safeties. I want everyone to pay attention to number 21 right here. Jordan Love's at the line of scrimmage right now, like, hot, 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 trying to go through a dummy cadence. You're going to see 21 creep down, okay? When 21 creeps down, Jordan's going to react. See 21 goes down? Jordan's like, okay, I got you. Now this is that check with me. Now he's going to go touch his helmet. What does that mean? I'm going to the second play. Hey, alert, alert, alert. I'm going to the second play, guys. The play that we want is perfect for that cover three zone. Alert, alert. Look, everybody correspond. Now Jordan Love has the control at the line of scrimmage. They challenge him to think a little bit. There's another great pocket for them, and he delivers a beautiful crosser for their wide receiver. So I love the fact that Matt LaFleur is now sometimes saying, hey, dude, get to the line of scrimmage, play fast, read off one guy, deliver a strike. And sometimes it's here's a little ownership. If we get the hmm. ideal look, control the line of scrimmage and get us into the perfect play. That's part of his development and evolution. Telling you, boy, some people are going, well, I don't understand what he's saying. What he's saying is we got us a quarterback. We got a quarterback <laughs> who's confident. We got a quarterback that can deliver the ball. The accuracy is starting to improve. Um, and we talked about that on Chalk Talk, Tim. You remember I said there's two on the shelf here, right? There's two on the shelf. And multiple times throughout that program where we broke down plays, you could see Jordan come to the line, hard count, hard count. That safety would take one or two steps up. You read the hills. You can read the – some people would say, how can you even notice that if they don't take a step? These quarterbacks, if you listen to the Manning cast, Peyton and Eli, I know I've talked about it to nausea, at nauseum here on the show, but it's so important. They're looking at their feet going, where's the pressure at on their foot? Is it on the ball or foot of the hill? That determines whether they're fading back or actually coming in. Little intricacies like that within the game, especially pre-snap. Four aspects that's most important when it comes to a quarterback, Tim, we talked about. Pre-snap read, post-snap reaction and read, right? Accuracy. And what was the other one? Quick release. And that that whole entire podcast that we did on Chalk Talk, you've seen all four of those from Jordan Love. Now, the key is I think every quarterback in the league can do all four of those things. It's just how consistently can they do all four of those things every single week. And that's exactly what Greg Cosell said when people were asking him, how do you feel about Jordan Love? What did you see coming out of college? All this stuff going into this year. And he said, listen, he's got all the tools. He's got the ability to play this game, but can he do it week in and week out? Is he going to be the same exact guy making the, the same exact proper, you know, correct checks after a big loss that he does after a big win? And I'll tell you, man, they, they were tested this year, Tim, and, and he is, uh, he's responded to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's almost like it's almost as if our quarterback's been in the league a few years before huh? uh, getting a, getting what? a chance to drive the car himself. You know, you got to have your learner's permit before you get your license. And, uh, you know, Jay Money's got the license now. And, you know, this speaks, you know, also to what we're seeing with our young offense. You know, it's not just Jordan Love. You know, he they've got to see what he's seeing or they've got to trust what he's seeing. And you got to have your head in the game and know what's going on when you hear a can or an alert. And you see that confirmation, three, four, five of your guys are confirming with you. That's what you want to see. Usually with young teams, you get 
at least one or two guys going, wait, what, what are we doing now? And then, you know, one guy runs the wrong route, plays busted. We don't see that. This Packers team is rolling now. And they're, you know, you see it, you got to say it. So, you know, when Jordan's canning out of a play or he's alerting on a play, it's good to see that, you know, this, this offense gets it. And that was a great example. That last play there that Dan broke down, you know, prime example of just a great, you know, pre-snap read. And then, you know, the post-snap just hitting, hitting it in stride, getting it out on time. That's what we talked about, you know, that we didn't see early in the year. Now we're seeing it. Yeah. And, you know, another good example too, Carly, people have asked me, how, how do they communicate how long the play call is when they watch Chalk Talk? And I always try to specify with people on Chalk Talk. That's how I, I learn to communicate what's actually happening on every aspect of the play. Right. And on in the real NFL, these teams, they have code names. They have actual play calls, play words. Right. Um, it's it's limited to maybe two or three words. You know, Matt LaFleur uses they use the band where the, every play to the best of my knowledge, Aaron said a few years ago, it's a number system. So the play might just be 12. This plays 12. All right, we're, we're going to run 12. And when a player at each position hears that number, they know my route is this. But also there's a, another layer with choice routes involved, specifically with the flyer receiver, with the F receiver, right? So with that being said, you heard Dan Orlovsky. What did he say? They called it cross country, right? We call this play mm-hmm. cross country. So when he was in Detroit, they had a similar, if not exact, same play call. They would just come out and go, all right, we're going, you know, whatever, whatever the, the personnel is. We're going 11 guns strong, right? Uh, T same, uh, cross country. Bang. There you go. Right. And they're not even worried about the personnel. They've got position coaches controlling the personnel, sending them on and off, you know, through the through the headset and all that stuff. So just wild how the, the sideline kind of comes to life. And it's like a its own different world separate from what's actually happening on the field. And that's one thing I've definitely overlooked is just the fact that the players are given the freedom. You just got to go out there and play. Here's my assignment. I got to do it the best I can. And that's another thing that's wrong with Pittsburgh, Carly. You kind of talked about with the fans. Deontay Johnson there a couple weeks ago, Tim, we talked about it. He'll not even fighting for that fumble. Just, uh, well, I'm not getting the ball here. I ain't worried about it. Man, it's it's a, it's a nail in the coffin. But, Carly, anything stick out to you there about what Dan Orlovsky said on that breakdown? It was – well, the first thing that stuck out is how exhausting it must be to have to keep that energy up all the time. Whoo! Holy cow, that was that. It's a little. It was a little early for that, but no, it was. <laughs> it was. It was awesome. I really liked how he showed how love, just yeah, was able to see that guy kind of, you know, crouch up. I guess you would call that. Is that what you would call like sugar? If he, yeah, if he had he kind of like like just kind of tried to fake it and absolutely, he's, a he's, bit, he's, yeah, yeah. Well, I heard Tim Ryan and Pat Kerwin refer to that as sugar. He go. Just a little sugar there, right? And he's talking about a, a a player on the field trying to convince you you're doing something other than what you're doing, right? You're 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 faking, if you will. Like there was another play me and Tim broke down on Chalk Talk where the two backers were showing a little bit like a soft A-gap mug, right? Like they were both going to blitz the A-gap. And like I showed Tim, that one came up real hard and he jab-stepped, and then he put all of his pressure back on the ball of his foot. You could tell he was fading back, and the other was hopping. And you can see Jordan look at him and go, okay, he's not coming. Oh, there's my guy. All right, let's set it. Can, can, can. There's where the blitz is coming from. All right, we got to get a free runner. Let's go wide, let's go wide max here and and change the protection up a bit. I'm telling you, dude, he's getting it. 
he's getting it. So yeah, that's what sugar in is though. Correct sugar. And, and again, that all falls under the umbrella of pre-snap read. If a quarterback can't pre-snap read and they're just going out there and going, okay, here's the play call. All right. I'm going to try to read this out post-snap. And it's another thing. Let's flip it onto the defensive side of the ball. What makes Joe Barry's too high shell so valuable is if you always show two on the shelf, guess what you're doing? You're not tipping your hand at all to the offense. So they come to the line and he goes, okay, this is a four-man rush and they're too, too high shell. Got it. All right. That's it. And then they go back, do their cadence. Nobody moves. All right, cool. Bang, the ball is snapped. And listen, Joe Barry's not doing that every play. Please don't take it like this is just – this happens 100% of the time. It doesn't. But that's the value of that too high shell. It's going to deter them – from, from gathering information pre-snap or prevent them from gathering information pre-snap. The ball snap, next thing you know, you got a cat blitz. The safety rotates down with a little late spinner. You're in a cover three look or even a cover one man with a, with a, with a robber look. Everything changes. Now you take that and couple it with how many teams want to run blind play, what I call blind play action, where the ball snap, they turn their back to the defense, fake the handoff and come back. Think about this pre-snap. Nobody's moving. Nobody's tipping their hand. There's no sugaring going on. It's just, okay, two high shell looks like man. All right, got it. Two man under, I guess. Ball snap, turn your back, come back around, and everybody has moved. Oh, by the way, there's a cat in your face now, meaning a corner, a corner off the edge, a corner blitz. So um, that's the that's the beautiful thing that is the National Football League, for sure. And That's it's why the, the pre-snap read is so important, that picking that up, because – you know, the whole point of sugar, right, is to is the deception. But then, you you know, the other end of the spectrum is later on in the game when they show the same sugar and then it's not sugar and they are coming. You've got to be able to diagnose that because yep. a lot of times, you know, a defense can kind of lull you to sleep with these coverages pre-snap and, make, and, and get you in that comfort zone where you're like, oh, he's not coming, he's not coming. Mm-hmm. Being able to read that defender and know is everything and, um, you know, Jordan Love is definitely uh, processing the game quite quickly right now, which is what you want to see. Right. And, and what's a good hear, point? Yeah. And what do you hear the casual fans complain about? They complain about the safeties playing too far off, right? Well, you're disguising that pre snap look, right? Now, yeah. on the offensive side of the ball, how does it come into play? What have the fans complained about at nauseum the last few years? They thought it was going to change when Jordan took over, and I was sitting there going, it ain't going to change. It's wait until the one second mark to snap the ball, right? Why are you doing that? Because that safety gets impatient. That safety is looking to, you know, to rob, right? He's going to be the robber. He's going to break into the box. He's sitting there going, okay, when's he going to snap the ball? If you snap the ball at seven seconds, he fires down to the robber position, right? And you didn't gather any information. If you come out there to seven second mark and you give a ha 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 ha, and they move just a half a step, all right, got you. Change it, change it, can, got it. Everybody, little little hand signal, whatever, to the guy on the outside, like we've seen go hot with the, with uh, Patrick Taylor on that one play. Yep. Now they've tipped their hand, and you can see that safety on that play that Dan broke down when we broke it down on Chalk Talk. The safety is kind of being patient, being patient. The hard county steps up, and as soon as he steps up, he looks at the other safety and says something to him like, "I done gave it away." I think is what he's saying. Like, hey, let's just, let's get to our spot early here. He knows. This guy's good. And, um, and 12 was a master at that, right? Manipulating wow. defenses. You know, there are times where you would see Aaron, you know, can, he would check or can and get get the defense to adjust. And then he'd can out of the can to, yeah. to something else, you know. And it's like, man, our quarterback's literally just, you know, like a puppeteer playing with that, that defense. 
And again, hmm, it's almost as if Jordan Love sat behind that guy for a couple right. of years. So, he's got the hard count too. He's he's almost there with the hard count getting on the job. Yeah, and the cadence cadence is coming along. The footwork is there. The uh, hey, the play action fake that you know those those are getting better. He's really selling them. Um, yeah, man, putting it all together right now, and we're uh, we're rolling. Just like like we said, man, we're rolling now. Yep, it's awesome. Uh, Redmo in the chat said, obligatory Tom Clements appreciation message. <laughs> right there, buddy. Tom Clements, man. Um, what? what a, I, I don't understand how that guy's never had an opportunity to be a head coach. I really don't. Um, maybe he's just – he's not, quote, unquote, committed enough to want to be a head coach, and he just likes working with quarterbacks. That could be the case. I don't know. I, I did the, the air quotes on committed because the time that goes into teaching the details of playing the quarterback position, man, is probably the most important aspect of every NFL organization. There's no doubt. Let's clean up the chat here real quick, and then, Carly, we're going to get to the topic you want to talk about more. We'll wrap this big bear up. Paul Robertson says, what's everyone's preferred octane in the morning? I'm eager to know this, too. I've seen people uh, name-dropping Folgers in there, I think, and all kinds of stuff. Um some would probably call me a snob, but what I like to do is mix things up. Tim, what's your preferred coffee? Do you got anything special over there, dude? Uh, no, I'm doing straight up, you know, full on Folgers right here. You know, gotcha. got the, yep. the bulk bulk coffee order for the daily. But uh, no, when I get uh, in the mood, it's Lavazza all day. Some gotcha. good old Lavazza coffee. You know, nothing nothing's better. Um, but yeah, man, I'm I'm simple. You know, yeah. black in a cup, hot. I'm ready to roll. <laughs> that's, that's all I need, man. Nothing fancy. Carly, are you a uh, a coffee drinker? Yes, I am. I've had two cups so far this morning and no breakfast yet. So I am. It's, it's yeah. It's I'm humming. Yeah. What What's your favorite? You got to go to or no? We're trying to get sponsors for the show here. What's your favorite? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, whatever's cheapest at Aldi right now. I got you. I got you. Understood. <laughs> um, for me, if I had to choose one for the rest of my life, it's Cafe Bustello because I like my coffee really dark and I like to hit it with a lot of cream and sugar. Like I want it to just be packed with flavor. That's that's how I roll with coffee. It's almost like a meal for me. I'm putting on about three, four hundred calories with each cup. You know what I'm saying? We're we're slamming this thing. But right now, what I like to do is kind of go. I don't know kind of work the season if you will right now i'm on i'm on a little starbucks christmas blend when it gets around the fall there's a place up in sleepy hollow called coffee labs they got one called witch's brew that's absolutely phenomenal so just depends on what time of the season is that's kind of how i i work in of course in the summertime you got to hit that iced coffee but paul getting us off track I'm, you have no idea how many emails i'm gonna get going quit talking about coffee so <laughs> thanks paul we appreciate you buddy let me give you one of these since this is your fault We'll just go ahead and throw this in. Who do you think you are? I am. There. Omer in the chat says, yes, changing scheme is difficult. Look at how complicated all the play calling is. Imagine changing it drastically. Players have to totally change their mindsets and play styles to accommodate to do so. That's like last year on deep, on the defensive side of the ball. Everybody's like, we should just scrap this. It doesn't work. We should just be playing man coverage. All of that. You talk about losing the locker room. All of that work you put in in training camp and in the offseason, and now all of a sudden you you spent your heart and soul. You poured it out trying to convince them this is how we win a championship, guys. And then at the sign of a little bit of adversity, it's scrap it. Let's just play man coverage. Like you talk about killing the culture of your team, man. But that's 2023, man. 2023 is, ah, the marriage isn't exactly what I wanted. Let's just get a divorce, you know. That's it. That's just how it works, isn't it, Tim? 
and keep in mind where are we right now okay you guys everyone wanted mike petton gone okay mike petton mike petton was let go all right they wanted dom gone yeah Right. So, so, so we're in the middle of that. Uh, we're kind of, yeah, in the middle of that adjustment right now. You know right. what I mean? So you have to give a coordinator time to install that system and get it, get it rolling, get the players to buy in and to understand what the concepts are. And, you know, last year they weren't there this year. We're seeing improvement. We're seeing this work. You have to give it time because the answer, as soon as you face adversity, can't be to just cut and run. You can't be. Because otherwise you end up like the Bears and you rotate quarterbacks every other year. You rotate coordinators, head coaches every other year, and you end up a dumpster fire. So consistency is key uh, in this game for sure. And you've got you've to give someone a chance to, to put it all together. And uh, I really think our defense is hitting their stride right now for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, number one Packer fan said, for the record, Justin Jones' PFF grade is 50, LOL. I remember when he was talking crap about the Packers, I posted the uh, Connor McGregor, who the is that guy, right, where he's looking back over his shoulder at the presser. It's it's like of all the people on the Bears that's going to talk crap, man, it's one of the guys at the bottom of the roster. It just cracks It's me so up. cool to live rent-free in their head, isn't it? I just, Bro, I just love it. And now you can just take these little subtle shots. Notice we wasn't doing this on the downswing, right? It's like – that's what's amazing is some of them are still talking crap, even though their team is just like they're they're no step closer where they wanted to be. Um, you know, here we are three quarters of the way through the season. Right. It's just a wild. It's wild how bad that organization has become. Somebody said the other day they commented. I actually screenshotted it, and tweeted it out to him. They commented on our videos. A Bears fan. He said, um, Justin Fields, if Justin Fields uh, was on the Packers team, he would be having the success that, that Jordan's having, too. And I was like. Oh, oh yeah, so you guys are finally admitting you're a trash organization with a trash coaching staff and a trash fan base. Got it. Makes sense. I don't I don't even think Coach Clemens could teach Justin Fields how to throw a football. I'm going to be honest with you. At this point, if he can't throw by now, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely the difference between Jordan and Justin is the is the decision making. There's no doubt about it, man. That's that's what I see that pops off to me. But number one Packer fan said Matt LaFleur is imp- improving as a head coach. And that's that is what's most important, coach and supporting staff growth, uh, not just players. We talked about it yesterday. He's tenth all time in winning percentage, which is absolutely crazy. Paul Robertson asking the important questions: Is Matt Lafleur chew tobacco? Said he always looks like he has a dip in his mouth. I don't. I can't tell if it's that strong jawline or if it's the uh, it's the dip, my man. But uh, I know this. Uh, it does. Uh, there's been a couple of times. It's kind of like the old Brett Favre press conferences. You go. He got a chaw in right now. Don't look at that. He's over going. There is no way. There's no way Matt Lafleur is dipping, guys. Come you don't on. Think so, man. There's no way. Oh, I'm gonna There's have to no way, up here, Carly. We're asking the important questions. I don't know, Carly. What do you think? I got to go to you on this one. This is what morning shows are about, guys. So just uh, bear with us, Carly. Is I, Matt Lafleur dipping? I think it's bubblegum. Bubble. <laughs> He's got the bubblelicious out there. There you go. What's your favorite bubblelicious flavor, man? That cotton candy, it 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 hits hard, man. What do you think, Carly? Watermelon. Tim, watermelon. All right. Tim's like, I ain't answering this. You kidding me, dude? I was a big league chew kid, so. Oh I'm, yeah, dude. Come gotta on. Gotta have that, <laughs> right, Clayton? That, that ground ball grape. Let's go. Yeah. Dude. yeah. <laughs> I'm all about it, man. Out there acting like we're chewing the back on the diamond. You love it. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Omer says uh, he, being Matt Lafleur, is a master schemer, but I just wish he had. Um, he 
had to decommit to uh, – oh, I guess he's talking about uh, – uh, Coach Barry had to decommit to the run a little more, especially on first downs. Uh, I'm not like his short yardage strategies much either. Wish uh, wish the quarterback sneak love on third and fourth and short. I'm, I'm not following that last part of the comment. If you're talking about Joe Barry on uh, on first downs, of course you might be – yeah, you'd have to be referring to Joe Barry. Um, you know, like we talk about, for every, every play call, every reaction, there's an opposite but equal reaction, right? If you're going to stop the run, it opens up the pass. And the name of the game, at least according to Matt LaFleur and the play callers and all that stuff from that podcast was the goal, the ultimate goal is control the explosive plays. Hit explosives, control explosives, and that's exactly what this defense is designed to do. Uh, Tony, go ahead. I'm sorry, Carla. Yeah, I just want to say, actually, I think what happened is that I think um, Omer's um, like keyboard, it missed the apostrophes. So if I bring it back up, I think he is talking about Matt. And what he's saying is that he he wishes that he would run a little bit more on first down. I don't know if you can bring it back up. I was looking gotcha. for it to actually be a little bit. I um, unstarted, so it is gone forever, unfortunately. So you're okay, saying. Yeah, he, he, was, just, yeah, he was wanting to run a little bit more on first down. And and I don't remember what the last part of it was, but he was talking about Matt. He's just real unhappy that he's yeah. not running on first downs. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as not running on first downs, I think I would probably lean to lean toward agreeing with Omer. I would like to see him run more on first downs, but when we hit those chunk plays on first down, Tim, I'm not over there going, we should have ran the ball. I'm going the Blake call Matt. <laughs> We've been seeing one. it a little bit. We, he's, he's mixing it in a little more. Definitely than he was early in the season. I mean, that was hard to watch. Just so many, you know, and then you're running, like you said, like these naked boots on first. You know, nobody's believing there's a run and we're just, you know, trying to use these run fakes. You know, now he's mixed that in a little bit and we've had some consistency with A.J. Dillon. So now that uh, RPO, RPR, play action, those things are starting to work a little bit more uh, for sure. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Uh, Jeff in the chat. I'm sorry. Tony in the chat says, uh, hey, Clay, uh, remember some weeks ago me saying that this time next year, everyone would claim they've been with love since the beginning and the season ain't even over yet. Uh, uh, Laughing emoji. Yeah. You know, there's been a lot of chatter about that, too, Tony. There's a bunch of people that have kind of just forgotten that they were absolutely done with love. And it's why it's important during the season, especially after a tough loss as a fan base to just step back and go, you know what? Let's give them a year. That's what we've been trying to pound the table with here. Um, you know, Tim has definitely been on the more aggressive side saying he thinks love is the guy. Um, there's no doubt about that. But, yeah, some people are going to wrap back around. As far as the national guys, I see Packer fans, Roshan national guys going, oh, you four weeks ago you said he was horrible. Guys, he was playing bad. Like, if you see it, you got to say it. If someone's playing bad, if you point out when they're playing bad and then you point out when they're playing good, that's kind of what the national media's job is. Now, if you're going to go in like Adam Shine, right, yeah. which absolutely broke my heart, and say, you know, this guy can't play football, he's a third-string quarterback, that's totally different than saying, we don't know if Jordan's the guy. I mean, he's really struggling right now, right? And here's what he's struggling at. Um, so, yeah, I kind of I kind of ride the fence there a little bit, but you're right, dude. They'll come out of the woodworks now. There'll be there'll be ten jerseys everywhere. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, um, like you said though, Tim, winning fixes everything. Jeff in the chat, Jeff, this is a good time to set the record straight. In the chat, I need you to do me a favor. How do you pronounce your last name? Because I have been roasted over saying Zalk, Zilky, Zelk, the whole nine yards. I'm going with Zilky. My money's on Zilky. Let's see uh, how I do. Good. 
Carly's probably the more intelligent of, of everybody that ever steps on this podcast. Carly, how would you pronounce that last name right there? Uh, Zilkey, probably. Zilkey. All right. Oh, yes. we got another vote for Zilkey. All right. Here we go. All right. Um, so he says, I'm so impressed with Matt LaFleur. When you consider all of the new challenges he had to put on his plate this season, it was a daunting task, to say the least, coach of the year. Um, I think he's definitely in the conversation. There's no two ways about it, Jeff. Uh, you guys heard me several weeks ago during the slump. What I was saying is, man, if Matt LaFleur loses his job over this, it is really not fair because he was put in such a bad position. The youngest team in the league, no veteran leadership in the tight end room, no veteran leadership in the quarterback room with the exception of the three-year vet who's starting. Um, all of the things that he had to kind of deal with when it comes to working with a younger team, the injuries piled on top of that. You trade Russell Douglas. It's like, man, the cards were stacked up against him. I completely agree with you, Jeff. He's in the conversation. And I think depending on how they finish here, if they somehow, some way do run the table here at the end, I think he probably is the leading candidate for coach of the year. It all is going to depend on what the Colts do. And there's a couple other teams that are really surprised people. But I think that's a a, a very fair statement that you made there for sure. Um, I want to say congratulations and thank you to Nathaniel Schneider. Uh, just became a YouTube member of the PTA Posse. Appreciate you supporting the stream. We'll make sure we get your name on the wheel that we're going to spin on Monday night postgame show after the uh, Packers and the Giants give you a chance to win an autographed Robert Brooks jersey. That's something we do for all of our YouTube members. We got a ton of autographed memorabilia from Pristine Auctions, and uh, we're just trying to give back to those who are supporting the channel for sure. We appreciate you, buddy. Um, Carly, let's hit on your topic. We're at the 51-minute mark. We're about to run out of time. I apologize. Um, surprise, surprise, right? That's where you yeah. – that, that meme, surprise, surprise. All right, here we go. Carly, you mentioned this, right? Hopefully we can get this to pull up a little bit better. Maybe I can go full screen, maybe. Oh, that's right. We weren't going to do it that way. I've got the image. Um, tell the listeners about this. It kind of got mentioned yesterday on the show. I believe it was yesterday. Tell the listeners mm -hmm. about this graphic that's on the screen and kind of what you learned about the information that was shared about it. And we'll, Me and Tim, we'll kind of give our takes on it, and we'll wrap this thing up. All right. Sounds good. So uh, Cheesehead Murph shared this article and I went and looked at it and it was just really interesting. Um, stats, uh, it interests me. I'm not a genius by any means, but this guy um, named Tom Bliss and he works for the NFL and he is a statistician. He does this thing every week where they take four different outcomes, which you can see, or four different events that say that happened in the game. You can see across the top here. So this is things that happened to Green Bay such as dropped interception, dropped by the opponent, a dropped pass dropped by the opponent, field goals and extra points that are attempted by the opponent, and then fumble recoveries by either team. Those are four things that they found when they happen. It is a st statistically significant chance that that changes the outcome of the game to a certain percent. And so based on those calculations throughout this season, the first 12 games, Green Bay has this 185% means that they had 1.85 wins added to their total wins because of some of these like lucky events. If that makes sense. Yes, it does. Um, what's crazy is like immediately I'm thinking when I seen it, I thought, is this backwards? Because when I've watched the games, I've seen the Packers drop a ton of interceptions. Right. But when you look at the analytic side of it and the way that they compiled these numbers and the data, um, I'm sure that would play into the luck percentage of the team that they were playing as opposed to the Packers. So exactly, um, this kind of catches me off guard a little bit, to be honest, 
But the one thing that I would say I would kind of push back on um, is the field goals and extra points attempted by the opponent. You know, that's making up, what, 80%, 80.2%. And when I look at that, I'm thinking, so it's kind of like they're getting, for that specific part of the statistic, they're kind of getting penalized for having good red zone defense. You know what I'm saying? Does it, does that make sense? Or do you think I'm looking at that totally different? Because I'm not great at this type of stuff. I'm just being 100% transparent. It's just, if I'm reading that correctly, the field goals and extra points attempted by opponent, right? They're getting a plus 80.2% towards how lucky they were that their opponent kicked that field goal. When I look at it and go, we broke down a red zone possession there against uh, – against the Chiefs, and, and why did you stop them in the red zone? Lucas Van Ness absolutely annihilated the left tackle and got a sack. Then two plays later, Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary got a sack and just beat their guys one-on-one. And in that situation, that would count toward a field goal attempted by the opponent as opposed to the uh, the touchdown. Or is that – do you think that means missed – it was attempted and missed? Am I, am I yeah. looking at it wrong there? Yeah, so what that is referring to, it doesn't even take into account anything regarding how it got to be a field goal attempt, but what when they've yeah. compiled the stats, the what it has shown is that whether a field goal is made or missed is one of the most random things that happens in the NFL and and I didn't believe that at first. I was like, how is that possible because it goes like with luck, like with skill, right, of the of right. the kicker. But um and this is actually cool because I actually commented on this guy's Twitter account um clarifying a question someone had asked about the field goal kicking versus skill and he actually like liked it like saying that i had clarified it correctly and so what um the way i broke it down is like a field goal missed by a kicker that has a 90 percent chance of making it that counts for a proportionately higher addition to the opponent's luck be precisely because the kicker is so skilled does that make sense yeah Got it. Yeah, so it's a lot deeper than my little narrow mind can can grab on the surface. Um, that's good stuff. It's again, it's it's another stat. Like we always say, just like PFF grades. You guys know I'm a big fan. Um, it's just another another resource, right? Another thing to kind of dig into. Now there have been times, Tim, this year where I've looked up and been like, "Boy, I'm glad that happened." Or you know, there there has been a drop on the opposing team. Or, you know, where was it in the Saints game? You know, the win with the Saints, let's be honest. They missed that field goal at the end, right? And that you gotta you gotta kind of take that into consideration too. But Tim, you got anything to add to this? I know you're you're not a luck guy, neither am I, but I love that Carly's bringing a little bit of contrast to the show. Uh, you've seen the way I reacted too, Carly. I look at it, I immediately go, What's wrong with this? <laughs> Me too, yeah. What do you think, Tim? Me too, yeah, because LVN blowing up his matchup and getting a sack is not luck. <laughs> That's, right, right. But for sure, though, uh, it, it like you said, this is kind of a cool metric. It just gives you another look at things. And, hey, we'd all be totally full of it if we said, you know, luck is not involved out there. You need things to go your way. You need to catch a break uh, and get lucky once in a while in, in – in this game, you know, let's be honest. It, it, it does happen. Um, we get lucky every time there's, you know, a missed holding call on our guys on, on offense. And then, you know, when it happens to us on the other side of the ball, we're infuriatingly mad, you know? So, I mean, luck goes both ways. Every team, even the best teams in the NFL have a little bit of luck. Um, but yeah, I mean, to see, uh, see the Packers leading the list here is, uh, pretty interesting. Although, you know, I wonder how the, like you said, how these metrics can get skewed to, you know, kind of serve the purpose of uh, whoever's trying to create the the narrative that the Packers are 
lucky and not good. Right, but, right. Uh, no, no, see, see, Tim, Tim, you're looking at it the wrong way. This, this is, is this isn't. Yeah, I know. This is nothing has like this. Literally says nothing about the Packers' skill whatsoever because it is all about the opponent and what the opponent has like screwed up on or the fumble of like uh like right. the way the ball bounce. Literally, the way the ball bounces, the angle that it hits the ground. No one has when they strip sack or you know punch a ball. They have no control over the way which way the angle of the ball hits the ground and which way it bounces and that sort of stuff is totally random okay it's a wild conversation i love it dude i love that we can kind of dig into stuff like this on a little bit different level uh drew d in the chat said don't think of it as luck think of it as skill as skill that added to win probability that connects with me right there drew for sure um and again i don't see anything on this graphic that says luck do you carly it's all about probability added right it's just kind of kind of breaking down the uh the information itself so as it's funny as packer fans we immediately go wait a minute they're saying we're lucky (laughs) (laughs) but uh well can i can i break or like kind of a conclusion to this which i thought was really really cool um to give it a little more perspective for example the he said that the a lot of this, the whole like net win probability added, a lot of it is the Chargers game where there were a ton of dropped passes by the Chargers. And so 80% of their win probability was added just from the Chargers dropping those passes. So that's the equivalent of 0.8 wins because the Chargers screwed up. But what's really interesting is for the Chiefs game, the win probability added was essentially zero none of it was due of our win to the chiefs was due to uh, an unlucky bounce or something like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good stuff. Good stuff. We appreciate you digging and finding this for sure. Um, it's fascinating. I, I, I like covering stuff like this too. Um, you, you guys know I'm, I'm more into the X's and O's and, you know, trying to understand exactly what happened on the field to have that kind of angle come into the picture as well is really cool. And what they can do with analytics today is just, it's phenomenal. It really is. I was digging into a little bit of AI before we went live earlier. I was thinking, I wonder if we can create some good content using AI, you know, where I don't have the time to do the research and all these things. And uh, I actually had them create a video, an AI generated video, just to see like what it came up with. And I was going, man, this is professionally done. This sounds good. British accent, which is totally cool. It kind of make us sound a little more intelligent, you know, to, to blend out my accent a little bit here. Right. And then it got like literally, I don't know, like maybe, maybe uh, 45 seconds into the video and said, and there's no doubt that the Packers success hinges this year on the play of their great quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. And I went, all right, we're done here. Let's go ahead and cancel. <laughs> AI is still in the uh, initial stages evidently, Tim, but um, let's do this, man. Let's go around the horn one last time. What do you, uh, what do you got for us as we wrap up here, Tim? I'm just seeing Doug in the chat here. I'd like to see a category for incorrect official call benefit. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love yeah, it so much. I would love that too. I don't think I don't think they're ready for that one. I don't think any analytics team in the NFL could possibly get a handle on what all is screwed up with that right now. Oh, exactly. Oh, I'm totally with you. <laughs> you know, I don't think. I don't think the game is fixed. I'm not one of those people, right? I don't. There, there. Listen, there is a growing number of people that thinks the game is fixed. Um, what I, what I don't like about the NFL is they can fix that. They could fix that tomorrow. You know, yeah. if they just hired full time referees and invested the money into we're going to make this as good as possible, they could shut all that up tomorrow. But the NFL refuses to do it. it makes me kind of step back and go, all right, man, take your medicine. 
There's always going to be that little cloud hanging there until you invest that little bit of change out of these owners' pockets to to really try to to button down, to buckle down and fix the problem, you know. But uh, yeah, the officiating, and you look around the league too. It's not just Green Bay. I mean, there is a lot of complaining going on with the uh, with the officiating. Drew D in the chat says we need a ref analytics. Whew! I don't even want to see it. I can feel my ears getting hot. Um, and it's it sucks too because I don't blame those guys. A lot of people don't know those those guys just work during the season. They get a normal job in the off season. That's what I'm saying. Like hire full time, grade them out like players get grade out, and keep the ones who are who have the highest grades on doing their job. That's how you can fix this issue. Hey, hey, you know what? If you can retroactively find a player for a hit or or a penalty that maybe wasn't even called in the game, if you can go a week later, sometimes two weeks later and send that that player a, a ten or $20,000 fine, then you can do the same thing for bad officials. You can review the tape, you can see missed calls, and you can penalize them. I'm not saying financially. I mean, like you said, Clayton, they, they're like part-time. They, they're not making a, a ton of money officiating games. Um, but, you know, maybe it's um, – there, there's got to be some kind of system for, um, you know, evaluating the officiating. Uh, in the season because this league likes to uh, it, it will nitpick at the players for, you know, celebrations and all kinds of things that they see on tape later. But yet when we see blatantly missed calls or things that impact the game, there's I don't know what the what the process is for, uh, you know, official review. How does that work? You know, right. Yeah. Um, I like what the uh, XFL and them, you know, they kind of did with just the, the the part that bothers fans. You know, they were very, very – they put a camera behind the scenes and they opened up. You could hear the conversation between the ref and their main main command station, right? That removes all of the, well, what are they talking about, right? Because it looks bad. It looks bad when a flag is thrown. And if you have to huddle together and try to determine was it a flag, probably wasn't a flag. Or at least I think you probably shouldn't throw that flag. It's kind of the way I see it, you know. So that's where the – uh that's where the bad the bad look really comes in. So, um, with that being said, Carly, what do you got for us? Any parting thoughts? We're at a, an hour and four minutes with our normal trying to keep it to forty five minutes here on GML. So, what do you got for us? No, I just like what Nathaniel, our new posse member, said here. It says, "I just don't think they can afford full time rest. The NFL is only worth one hundred and sixty some billion. That's crazy. Like, why would you? And, and again, the amount, the um, I." I feel very comfortable saying they've lost fans who think it's fixed. Like there's been so much chatter. Now I'm not saying they never watch the NFL ever again in their life, but they probably got a little, a little less uh, involved or a little less, you know, passionate about the game because of something that happened from the referee side. And you would think that investment into those full-time refs would be worth it. You know what I mean? It's like from a business standpoint, if I'm operating a business and I know here is a problem, I've had customers reach out to me and say, this is a problem. I don't want your service anymore. And someone says, Hey man, you could pay penny on pennies on a dollar to fix that. Right. And you wouldn't have lost that customer. That one customer would, would have paid for it a hundred times over. Right. Not saying one fan does that. I'm just trying to compare it with normal everyday business. It just doesn't make sense. But I will say this, just like you heard me talk about misspelling things on purpose, draws attention to a product, a good or a service. What are we talking about right now? We're talking about the NFLs because the officiating. 
is whether you like Jerry Jones or not, I think we would all agree he's an excellent businessman. And he had an old saying back in the 90s. He said, any publicity is good publicity. Even the bad publicity is good publicity because people are talking about your product. So that's business. That's business 101 right there. So uh, with that being said, we're going to get out of here, guys. We went over a little a little long. Appreciate y'all hanging out with us, though, for sure. This has been a fun episode. Carly, it was awesome having you on here with us, too. Nathaniel in the chat said, found this podcast around the start of the season. Best Packer podcast on the net with a great environment. Great job, fellas. Hey, we appreciate the kind words. And the thing that means the most to us with that comment, Nathaniel, is the environment comment, the great environment. That's what we're looking to do is create a place where everybody's welcome. We can disagree. We can agree to disagree. And uh, if someone does get rude or say something disrespectful or try to get political or any of those things, we just kick them out of the chat and move on. That's just the way it rolls here. But we appreciate you becoming a member of the PTA Posse. Thanks for hanging out with us today. And uh, Andres in the chat said, the more I watch this channel, the more I like it. Man, we appreciate you uh, being here. Understand that the listeners, the commenters, everybody in the chat, you are the guys that make this show go. And that was the goal. Um, you know, moving forward, or that was the goal coming in. So that's the goal moving forward. We just always want to make it kind of listener driven, that type of thing. Um, you know, we accept criticism as long as it's constructive criticism. Um, we're not going to allow anyone to be rude to anyone in the chat or any of the, the hosts on the show and all that stuff. But we got a lot of stuff in the works. We'll probably be putting more content out in the near future. It's just trying to get our feet under us and, and get everything uh, kind of all the ducks in one row, that type of thing. But we appreciate y'all hanging out with us. With that being said, we're going to get out of here. Uh, for those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. If we don't hear from the winners by tonight, then we're just going to go ahead and send that to – I'm just going to say it with you guys, Jeff Zilke. All right. <laughs> We're going to send that autographed Dorsey Levin's jersey to him. We still haven't heard from XA Drew or CL Freeman. So, Jeff, you're going to be getting the jersey if we don't hear from him by the time we go live for PTA Live tonight at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. So, um, Carly, you got anything else for us? Oh, um, Jeff did correct our pronunciation. He said silky, like with an S, silky. We were all wrong. Silky smooth. I got so it. So close. <laughs> okay. All right. That immediately made me think of an old Damon Wayans stand-up special from the 90s where he was talking about a pimp named Silky Smooth. Y'all need to look <laughs> that up. Keep the kids out of the room. There's some language, but, man, that old stand-up was good. The, the yeah. Wayans were awesome in their time, for sure. All right, we're out of here. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go.